G'day and welcome to GradChat, your opportunity to find out about graduate research here at Queen's. My name is CJ the DJ and I'm your host for this week's GradChat. Today I would like to introduce you to Nazreen Sultana who is doing a PhD in education under the supervision of Dr. Lian Cheng. Welcome to GradChat Nazreen. Thank you. Nazreen, you've come here from Bangladesh yes. to study in Canada, which is lucky for us here at Queen's. But why did you choose to come to Canada to do your graduate degree? Uh, because uh, in Bangladesh is highly evaluated. Like uh, when where, when I was there, I heard that there are not many people who did their degree in North America and went back home. So I kind of figured this out that Canada would be good a good way to find out a degree and I can come back, I can go back to Bangladesh and can use that degree in a greater way. I know today if I go back to Bangladesh after doing this PhD, I'm going to be someone. So, which is right. important. But uh, I did not choose Canada in a way, I should say. I chose Dr. Liang Chang. I ah. wanted to work under her. Right. And why did you want to work under Dr. Chang? That is a washback study, which I do. Washback is known as the influence of testing on teaching and learning. It is not as simple as we think so. It's basically, if I say it in a different way, that what teachers do, because there's a high-stake test, how do, uh, how do they plan the instruction, activities, tasks, because the students have to be ready for, a, for an upcoming test. Right. That's washback that how the central public examination or high-stake examination or sometimes large-scale examinations also might affect classroom teaching and learning. So, okay, so that brings us on to your actual topic, which you kind of alluded to there. And your topic is the influence of an English public examination on classroom teaching and learning, a washback study. So after reading your synopsis of your research, which by the way, it was fantastic. It was very, very clear for me. Thank you for that. Can you give us a general overview of what you're trying to accomplish with this study? I started the study with a problem because I, uh, after doing my graduation back home, I started teaching at university. I found that the students who were coming to the first year program, that they were not... Uh, they were not very good at English. Their writing was bad, their reading was bad, listening, speaking, they were actually terrible. But then when I went back to the curriculum, I saw the curriculum says that after passing the secondary education, students should be able to be a little bit of proficient, or proficient in English. They should be able to read, write, at least the basic things, you know, we, uh, so that they can carry the real life conversation, real life activities, right. which they could not do. So that's the point where when I wanted to look back what's happening in classroom instruction because when I looked at the score of the student they actually had very good score most of them had A plus or A that's a high CGPA in Bangladesh right. but then they couldn't produce uh, enough uh, English so that they can carry their undergraduate degree so that was the time when I wanted to look at the effect of testing on teaching and learning my hypothesis was that probably teachers are only training the students towards the test without right. giving enough scope of learning the actual language. So that is, at that point of time, I did not know that this was called a washback, but I wanted to actually, you know, like uh, do something like that. Right. And then I I came, I came across Dr. Liang Chang, his, uh, her writing, and then I found, yeah, this is the thing which uh, I want, I wanted to do. So that's how, you know, I, I figured this out that I should, if I want to do a PhD, 
I should do in this topic and I should do it under Dr. Ling Chang. I'm lucky that she's accepted me. So, so what you're looking at though is what's happening in Bangladesh. Exactly. Right. So coming to one of the questions that you gave me that you wanted to be able to highlight what you're doing, why is it important to know how high stakes examinations create influence on teaching and learning? I gave this question to you because uh, I wanted to make the point of uh, that how high stake testing are different uh, in the context of Asia. Uh, like you know if you like go to an asian context it's very different testing is a very different thing like so far my understanding in canadian context uh, that canada has large scale testing but not like high stake the way we see it is more of the, the consequences like for example in our high stake testing the test which i am looking at is called the secondary school certificate examination okay. is a ssc uh, in Bangladesh is such a high stick test that if you don't pass this level of study you cannot move to next level of education okay. your education is going to stop you have to pass if you fail either there is two option either you don't do it or you redo the and if you redo the examination you have to wait for another year so that's that, kind of like the British system where they yeah. have O levels and you don't go into the next like fifth and sixth form or year 11 and 12 exactly. until you pass your O levels and then in 11 and 12 A you level. have to get your A levels to be able to go to university. Exactly. And then uh, worse consequences as well. For example, people commit suicide. The students commit suicide all the time when they fail because they know because, you know, in the Bangladesh is a poor country. So examination is uh, really high stake when it's a poor country and uh, your uh, career, your job, your finance, your better life depends on examinations. Right. Because if you have a better score, you go to next level and then you go to next level and then you earn more. That means if you don't have education, you don't go further. Right. So it's like really the consequences matter what makes it high uh, high stakes and i wanted to talk about washback um, of uh, high stake test because probably we need to see that you know what is uh, coming out of the test so teachers are teaching to the test students are learning to the test so then but we're not learning that no. is the main point i'm trying to make that there is a test which I'm targeting, I'm learning to the test. So all my learning activities are directed to the test. Eventually, when the test is over, I'm done with that. Right. So right. I do not have to reproduce anything. So that's the reason that I wanted to talk about how high stake looking at washback is important. Because when you look at washback of tests in classroom, then you see what is exactly happening in that classroom and how learning is taking place. And it probably... When I started this uh, research, I did not know that there could be so many other factors also. But now when I have data, I'm writing the papers, I can see that it's not all about tests. It's about the situation and culture as well. That how like in, in Bangladesh, we are very test oriented. It took me a long time to understand that grades are not important. When I came right. to Canada, I was, I was, I took my courses so seriously and it's pushing myself. Then Dr. Chang used to tell me, why are you taking the grades uh, so importantly? Because my mind was grade oriented. I was taught 
to look for the grade only i did not look at my learning right i was all about you know how uh, if i got a plus or if i got a i remember that uh, once i got uh, i think i got 88 in the final course and i went to the course teacher and told why didn't i get 90 <laughs> and why 88 you're probably devastated for It, most people 88 is fantastic <laughs> no i i was very unhappy and he said that what's the difference in 90 and 88 uh, i just had to give you a score i gave and i could give even 90 also 95 also you're still awesome then i said no i need to get and he wa- i was trying to convince him that the, it was the numeric value that was more important to you exactly i did not care about then you know like we had a conversation and uh, that was the time you know i started kind of getting the point that it's not about the score it's about how much you have learned and i started learning started valuing the learning much later of right. the program right. it took me a year to understand so that's how the culture works you the teachers are trained to look at the test as a test that's not a, a learning zone for them right right ssc examination which i'm looking at is a two years program so two years is a long time to teach somebody yes. so the, the the way the program is actually designed so if teachers could implement them probably students would be learning would be able to learn something but it's not happening because of many things it's not only about test the test is a major part of the examination and there is some false in you know, the test design as well but it's i kind of found it's all about the context you know the way they train it's like a brainwashing it's like a brainwashing thing i asked one of the teachers that uh, did anybody ever ask you that if your students are learning or not he said no is it is he has a career of 32 years and he said in my 32 years of careers parents never asked me this question how much uh, their their kids learned they all they worry about grading so that's how you know uh, it's important to know how test uh, test create a different kind of learning zone or teaching zone in the classroom so has not and i don't know if you know this answer but in bangladesh then the education system in bangladesh have they not asked the question what are our students learning can our students go to the next level by just passing getting a good grade in this test and if that's not happening have they not already why have they not questioned it earlier saying well what are we teaching them why is that not happening is a much political question and political answer as well we are not a very financially solvent country so this test is a gatekeeper for us right. that means you know there are probably if there are 10 people are taking that test you cannot allow all 10 people to go to next level so it's a more of a get get keeping test that you have to keep few of them behind that gate okay. because you cannot give job or education to all of them it's and kind of like doing that bell curve you say we have to sort of spread the scores out exactly and you know it's not about that also exactly it's like more of political i said that you know because uh, all the government come they want to increase the passing rate because when the passing rate is high what happens and they can prove okay uh, we have high literacy rate if you see the literacy rate in bangladesh is really high i want to tell you one example i don't know why it is uh, relevant or not a uh, few days back i wrote a paper and it got published as well so in the paper i was trying to make the point how students are not learning english you know and the editor who did little googling 
and he saw that Bangladesh has a quite uh, good number of uh, the literacy rate is quite good. So he questioned me that if the literacy rate is this good, being a poor country, then how come you can claim this? Right. That is the problem that you are claiming and you don't have enough data sometimes to support it right. because the government right. is trying to all the governments basically because for them it's important to have a high passing rate though they can see they can say people okay see students are passing but they, nobody is caring about the actual learning mm -hmm. that is one right. of the one of the factor and the second point i'm trying to i try to make which uh, came out of my own uh, you know data that in the context of the country you don't need to produce uh, english in real life which is the objective of the curriculum, right. which I did not notice earlier. If you don't go to a job where you need to speak in English, you don't need English to be frank. Right. All government documents are in Bangla, in the that is a state language of the country. Right. So when you, when you go go on the road, it's okay if you don't speak English. Bangla is the mono, Bangla is the only language in the country. There are some other indigenous languages also, but they're not spoken. Right. We are in majority. So, you know, that is my research finding was that, that uh, students and teachers, you know, that is in back of their head, they know that they will be needing this English when they go to higher education, when they go to a multi or multinational company. Right. Otherwise, they do not they need English need that much. You know, English is needed eventually. There is a difference between immediate and eventually. Right. Immediately, when they pass out the program, they know that do, they do not need English. But eventually, for a better career, for a better um, like higher education, if they want to go abroad, they really need to learn English, but not before that. So my question then would be, if the majority of the students don't need English, a good proficiency in English because they're not going to work, either go on to higher education or to work with a multinational company, then why are so many people, so many students taking that course, that program? Because if it's not necessary, then what's the point? Because this SS examination head doesn't have only one subject. English is one of the important subjects. It actually comes out or comes with many other subjects as well. It has Bangla, it has English, it has religion, it has chemistry, it has science. So English is one of the important compulsory subjects. Right. So there are some elective subjects and English and Bangla, they are compulsory. But I'm coming to your question that why English is important because you asked me a question why students are taking this test. It's not about one test basically, it's about the examination. I'm looking at only the English part of the examination. Okay. But now I think I need to answer the second part of the question which you did not actually say but the why English is important in the country. Hmm. English is important as I said eventually. If you want to be uh, if you want to get a better job, if you want to go to a higher, uh, like a better university, then you need to learn English. You do not need to learn English if you go on road, if you go for go to a shopping mall, if you go for grocery. Right. You do not need you need English for that reason. But if you need English, if you want to do some better in life, like okay. both, like this is one of the findings that English is needed for academia and for a better career. These are the two reasons to learn English. But this is actually basically contradicting with the curriculum if you see. The curriculum says that uh, students should be able to use English in real life. But most of the people do not see these two criteria as real life. 
in a way they are not real life as well right, right. these are kind of basically a little bit of a created and simulated version of you know like use so students know that when they go for higher education they need it and then they kind of think okay we'll make it then when basically they care about the job Right. If you go want to go for a multinational job, a kind of better better job, then you need you need to learn English. Without English, you wouldn't get that. Right. So that is a question: Why English is needed? English is needed not for real life, but if you go for something better, you will be needing this image. Need yeah, yeah. So that is a contradictory the curriculum. I could keep going with all sorts of questions, but I'm going to come back to one of your other questions. So we see the outcome for the student, which yes, they may get a pass and a really good pass but they're really not coming out with the knowledge that they need. What about the flip side of it? So the teacher themselves, as you said, they're teaching for the students to be able to pass an examination, or whatever that entails. Do they not feel themselves that they're doing both themselves and the students a disservice by not actually teaching them enough to be able to come out and be able to speak English better or to be able to write or to read it better? more so than what the examination is doing. Do they not feel a responsibility for that? Or is their responsibility purely to keep the stats high for the school so they look like a good school and tick off the box for the government? That is the, you already gave the answer. That is the second, the second part of your question is the answer. My research looks at two schools. One is a top scoring school one is not that high performing school. And I have found that, that like teachers from the top scoring school and the low scoring school, they're teaching the same way, but it's about the mindset, about the teachers are same. Because all of them are targeting to the score. Because eventually they feel I'm accountable to the, for, for the student's result, not for the learning. Right. That is the main thing. And then, because you know, one thing I have found that, you know, like in the top, scoring school, the accountability is too high for the teacher. The teachers are accountable to the authority, not only to themselves. It's of less of, you know, moral issue. Right. Like, as you, the, the question is rightly asked, but the thing is that teachers worry about that they're accountable for the, for the result. They think that they have to answer the parents. If the students do not do well, they are accountable to the school, if you, like to the authority, if the students do not get high score. So it's, I know that, you know, like, uh, like all the teachers agree that they want, like my interview to interview teachers, they agreed. They wanted to teach English the students but eventually when I looked at the activities when I talked uh, in a little bit of longer and you know a little bit dug deep in them I found that they personally believe that if something matters that is score many of the teachers said that uh, yes uh, score is important test is important and then eventually some of them told yes if they don't know if, if they if they do not have good score how do we go to how do they go to next level of education so you know like it's, it's about the curriculum as well as I said the test design is faulty the test design does not is not designed in such a way which will do a positive washback in a way right. for example the test the test does not test the speaking and listening Okay. The, it has only reading and writing writing part and it also in a very faulty way which I which I'm writing the result chapter and I, it's amazing to find you know how the reading and writing part 
parts are designed that apparently on a face value you wouldn't know that okay they are faulty but if you when i when i started interviewing people and going to classroom i saw the test itself is very faulty because of the flaws in the test itself what happens teachers know that if they teach to the item teach to the test it is easier for them right so the student right. can score high it's less of a moral uh, responsibility because if we, we, what's what's morality that's the question again the morality is that if your student fails and you let them fail or you kind of push them uh, to do do well so in bangladesh effective teaching is you prepare students for the test and they score high and you are you feel good i'm a right. good teacher right so the way you are seeing the thing in the context of canada is a little different than us for us you know for morality is when my students are scoring high because nobody is going to be ask you a question that okay you taught these students and they are not able to speak they're looking at the score so they are not immoral what i think is um what you've really highlighted here is that whether it's the student the parent or the the teacher everyone's holding this particular examination in the highest regard it's it's that or nothing so it seems to me the obvious point is the obvious thing to do is to change the examination exactly so that then they're actually going to be prepping for something that's actually going to be useful and that they can take to the next level this is what washback says how we can use examination as a trigger point but then you know washback is essentially not a negative term like the way now especially in asian context it has become a negative basically any curriculum you redesign you reform an examination reform you redesign mm-hmm. what is the intention intention is to get to have a positive impact on teaching and learning the yes. so washback is essentially a positive term because it depends how you're using it for example in my country the test i'm looking at it has really negative washback because it, or maybe i i should say unintended unwanted right. i shouldn't say negative in a way probably unwanted right. because uh, when the curriculum planners actually plan the curriculum or design the test they wanted to have a, a positive impact on teaching and learning but be, as you said examination was not as they thought that is the reason it is kind of you know giving a unwanted influence on teaching and learning right. and examination is very important especially in a country where examination is taking seriously like you know i asked this mm-hmm. question to the teachers it just you know because it's like interview i was talking to them i asked them do you think in that uh, test is um, there should be tests for the students all the teachers told there should be tests if there is no test they're not going to study and t- they kind of use positive words for the test as well they said if there is test they're going to study is going to motivate them they will study for the score if there is no score the why they will study the question again comes back to the actual philosophy of education in that context right. so why are you studying so we are studying for test not for learning not for learning you see that is is a very complicated issue actually because you know when you go go deep and deep into the program into the people's mind teacher and students you will find that you know essentially their thought of education is rooted that they will learn or they will do anything for the test because this is they ask me the question that okay why they would learn if there is no test and it actually made me think okay so that means we are learning for passing the test education has no value right in that context so that is a very complicated uh, process and question 
that you can you have to change a test because uh, because we don't have that value of you know learning learning for education they learn everyone is learning for the test as i said when i came um, I, i only saw the grade so only much later i came i came to realize okay it's not about grade it's about how much i'm progressing how much i'm learning right right so it's all about uh, how you see so who have you who have you actually interviewed or looked at have you looked at this if you looked at the school the school the teacher the students who have been through the process and yes may have got a great score but then have not been able to use mm-hmm. um, because they haven't really learned anything other than how to pass a test mm-hmm. who who you're looking at and how you how you want to how you're looking at implementing some of this research or how you're going to make it work because when you click You've clearly opened up Pandora's box here. <laughs> yeah, I I know that and this is something uh, we I always you know this is something sometimes it frustrates me as a researcher mm-hmm. that how we are going to you know like implement. I I started um, I think you know like talking about research is also a kind of you know uh, opening up Pandora's box in a way because when I went for data collection it took me 6 months. to complete the data collection it was so difficult to get access to people talk to people because i had some curriculum planners as a, i had one curriculum planner so you kind of go to one people and i had to know what is happening i kind of talk, kept talking to different people in different offices right. and then you know it's about you know like be staring the um, staring the things which was not uh, touched before so that was the reason you know like the question is how do i plan to disseminate right now what i'm plan- planning to do as a student because i haven't graduated yet so my first thing is i'm going to different conferences to talk about the research right. and kind of spread the uh, knowledge spread the ideas which i learned and that is my first thing and i'm writing i'm publishing right. like i'm th- publishing like quite quite regularly so that people can read and people can know okay this is what is happening and my third plan is you know try to take this research further i don't know if i would be able to do this or not probably work with the different projects with the government right. back home mm-hmm. so that probably this will give me a chance so that you know i can i can kind of give them a you know kind of direction or can tell them that can can bring them to the pro- problem right. okay this is what is happening but implementation is the biggest challenge in yeah. a context because when i went back home i found that uh, they, didn't, they did not think the researchers are doing something Okay. I had I had huge other, diff- other than stirring the pot. Exactly. I did the studying a lot and I found that uh, it was in a, it was a context where even the when I started going to offices talking to different officials, the teachers, students, I found that you know most of the people into the context they think researchers are somebody who are only working for the degree. I had a hard time convincing them that okay, I of course I'll have a degree. which is highly valued they kind of made it a point okay you will get a degree and that's going to help you they did not see that eventually i was trying to help my education system help as them. well yes exactly and then you know it took me if, if, even if you know i started this degree because i wanted to see i wanted to have a degree i wanted to uh, study a particular topic but eventually i got very passionate and motivated for what i was doing right and then i remember i wa- i literally ca- was camping in in my research location 
person. I used to spend such a whole morning just to, you know, uh, have one interview. I used to, I kept talking to all parents. I, I gave them workshop. I kind of, you know, tried to make friends with them, have a good rapport so that, you know, they trust me because that was the problem. Initially, nobody believed that this was about them. Right. They thought this was about mm-hmm. her. It's her work. So why do we cooperate? So that is, again, the problem. How do you implement? So right now, my two plan is going to the conferences and publishing as much as I could do. Right. And probably I will try to have some kind of collaboration with other researchers in Bangladesh so that, right. you know, we can we can take this problem to the government level right. so that and, and and bring the attention see this is what is happening and need to know but this is a very long journey to do well i think at any in any country any education system we've constantly got to keep on top of curriculum development yes it's, it's highly important because what we did 100 years ago is not relevant not necessarily relevant to today's society mm-hmm. so what you're doing is is highlighting the fact that you know this may have worked to a point up until 10 years ago but we need to relook at it because if we truly want to be for instance I'm taking Bangladesh want to be seen as a really uh, English illiterate society to other countries then at the moment we're lying yeah let's make that real and this is what we need to do we need to relook at the curriculum relook at the examination and teach for the the learning and the knowledge and what you're going to take away from it rather than teaching to pass a test exactly and i was since the topic came up i'd like to mention one thing that is in a country like bangladesh which is financially not that solvent it's mm-hmm. not that easy as well yes true we have uh, like each of the classes i i i had long observation like they had a 70 to 80 students in each of the classes so teachers that's act- a lot of that's a big class that's a big class and you know students they're 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 pre-teen or teen mm-hmm. so they are very noisy in the right so right. they are they are not in a mood of learning they want to talk their the, the classroom is noisy is chaotic and then it's not easy to teach them as well right. the curriculum the curriculum points okay students will do group work pair work the teachers ask me a counter question showing this classroom you tell me how do i do pair work when i have 80 students it's true you need to have 40 pairs and you are one how do you facilitate that pair working as well it's it's not easy second one the the question actually i asked that okay that why they are not teaching uh, why they why they're not testing listening and speaking at the national level yes like bangladesh is uh, we have rural areas we have areas where there is no electricity Right. Where there is, you know, no facilities to teach uh, listening. So how do you teach listening in in that part of the part of the country? Right. And probably teachers are not well educated and well trained as well. So we have issues with training, like because of financial problem. Also, we cannot train all the teachers. It's not possible. Right. Sometimes, you know, like if you go to distant part of the country, you would see there is no electricity. Like uh, people do not care about education. They have a teacher somehow, you know. He or she can teach somehow, but they do not know anything. They do not know about the curriculum. They are not well trained. It's the problem is not only about that, about the intention of the government. We have to think about the limitations of the government as well. Exactly. Like yeah, we right. don't have a millions of money that to do everything. I always start my uh, 
is my start my presentation saying that okay we have millions but not in terms of um, uh, money we have people yes like if i am not wrong bangladesh has uh, around 156 uh, million of population and canada has i think 57 or yes, 57 big, big difference isn't it i remember one of my professors when i wrote this line she was adamant she tell she told that this is wrong information it it couldn't be possible bangladesh is in size is like ottawa yes it's tiny it's a tiny it's in, in like ottawa But. and imagine a place like ottawa there are 157 million people and then how do you educate them is is a bit easy to say when i went there i feel bad in a way it's very easy for me to say okay they're not doing this they're not doing that i collected my data in the urban areas so my situation was actually wonderful you know the the two schools i saw but they were in the urban areas if i would have gone to local schools like in the rural countryside right they are they are very different right. there are students and teachers teachers cannot speak in english the problem is severe in the in the in the context it's not only, not only about how you are immoral or how you value teaching how you value education it is inbuilt with the problem of resources as well yes you don't yeah. have enough resources I I I don't know if I have time to tell this uh, tell this incident like uh, I when I was uh, interviewing the curriculum planner designer he told me that uh, when they were trying to implement the listening part so the, they had a kind of meeting they said they thought okay we will give to tape recorder to all the rural schools so that they can CDs will be given or right. tape will be given they can practice then the next next question come okay since they have don't they don't have electricity so what about giving them battery they said okay we'll give them battery and then so that you know every with every month or every week we'll we'll refill the battery we'll give the battery to them next question come who will give the battery who will take care of the battery thing that who needs battery who who will take those resources to them right. so next question comes okay who are there who were there to do this task the supervisor they found that there, there was no supervisor so then eventually they thought no we cannot uh, provide batteries to all so many thousands of schools in bangladesh right. it's not possible some mm -hmm. schools are so distant from the capital yes. so and the communication is not sometimes is not very good so how do you do that so it's about bureaucracy bureaucracy is also there mm -hmm. i another problem he pointed out how different organizations work together in the system it's not there is not a smooth uh, transition between one to another like what happens this is a very bureaucratic issue the curriculum is designed and planned at one institution inst organization that's called nctv it's called national curriculum and text board uh, textbook board that's nctv so they they plan and design and write their curriculum right. they give the sample of the test as well but the test is uh, actually administered by the education boards okay. that's so that's a separate entity so education board is responsible for getting people to write the question paper and administered what happened when people are coming to write the question papers they are practicing on teachers and some teachers are not trained so even right. recruiting the teachers is also bureaucrat right. so you know you will find i have met many people they told that we are never called to write the test because how you are recruiting the teachers as well so what's the criteria that there is no transparency how actually teachers are called to write a test and there is no uh, training 
for them as well right there is no training right. is given you are kind of randomly you are you probably you know you you have a good rapport with the board and they are called to write the test and they might not have any basic training so that is a, that is a lot of bureaucracy so i told mm-hmm. them, i asked them so don't you when the question paper is going wrong don't you ask them he is exactly i couldn't i i couldn't mention this point in my dissertation i don't know if i could or not but he actually he actually told that yes sometime when the exam when the question paper actually being published during the exam we see and we see it's not what we thought and we kind of told them you know like in a very shallow way when you meet them in the networking hey why what did you do but we right. don't have that much of authority over them to tell them hey why did you do that right because all of these separate entities are accountable to ministry of education not to each other yeah so there is lots of bureaucracy issues also there yeah and I, and i don't think that's different to anywhere else yeah. and it's just as you said with with bangladesh uh, you probably got less resources yes to spread out over many many more people resource is an issue even even if right the major issue mm-hmm. the major the major misalignment between the exam and the curriculum is it doesn't look at four language skills right it yes. looks at only two even though it's faulty way but it looks at two but then you know i don't see in the coming years also it would be easier for us to implement four language skills but it's simply impossible at this point of time uh, for a country like us because yes. resources is the biggest issue right well clearly you've done well out of the system Yeah because I But went you probably to, knowing you you probably put so much more work into it yourself too to find out more. Yeah because I know like for example my professor whenever because there are two Bangladeshi PhD students under her. So whenever she looks at her she will say we oh, you guys are good at English. We are good at English because uh, because of our family background. Right. We we come from a good educated family and then like I went to a very good school. Right. I went to she also like other other student like she went to a, went to an English medium school. Okay. See, it, it actually so. we are very small number. I, I always tell people seeing me do not uh, do not uh, that's, judge. That's not like the norm. No, that's not like mm-hmm. the even, even the Bangladeshi women also not like us. Right. So I tell seeing me do not judge how we are. We are very different. But we came out because it was as you said it's a more of self motivation. I wanted to do well. I remember that I during my time. that was a different curriculum that curriculum was basically you read and write there was no at least now people are talking about listening and speaking right. during my time back back in 16 years nobody used to talk about that so i memorized a lot yeah, now memorization is there do nobody accept that but they do memorize during our time it was a norm we had to memorize i memorized long english answered right. and i kind of had i memorized one line by line and kind of like a parrot i wrote them on the exam paper right. and i had good score but it was of self motivation somehow i wanted to learn the language somehow i just wanted to go abroad for higher education so i had this idea that if i don't know english i wouldn't be able to do what i want to do in life mm-hmm. so i practice a lot by myself I did I did practice a lot in front of mirror I used to watch lots of english movies because I didn't don't didn't have an access to talk to other people right, it was right. self talking yes many a larger part of my life was self talking within myself like my brothers used to laugh at me because they didn't know what I was doing but they used to always used to hear I was talking loud in english with myself <laughs> and they used to say oh you are mad 
and mm-hmm. my 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 daughter does the same because this this has become a habit now so whenever i want to talk i want to have conversation i'll have loud conversation with myself and that's in english <laughs> because i have been doing this for so many years of my yes. life it got into my habit now right. and then now my daughter will say oh you are again talking to yourself <laughs> Well, you clearly you clearly got first of all a big challenge ahead of you because as you said it's not just the fact that people want to cheat the system and saying we've got these people who can get these great high scores but there are there are implications to that and as you've mentioned it's the resources that are available across the board have are not easy and particularly on a small country with a huge population and so you've really got your your, your work cut out for you there but I but knowing you you are going to come up with some great work that you can take back to Bangladesh and be able to speak to the right people to see what can you do to help change some of that within the resources that are available even if it's only a little bit by little bit but eventually I know knowing you you will get there with it so best of luck with all of that yes thank you hopefully hopefully uh, what i could do i'm still thinking at the last stage of the phd hopefully that um, i really want to do something which is uh, which will be valuable yeah hopefully thank you uh, not hopefully i know you will i know you will okay so thank you very much for coming on the show nazrain thank you for inviting me best of luck with all of it So unfortunately, we're going to have to stop there because, as usual, we've come to an end and and there's only a certain amount of time we have to be be on the air. But don't forget, you can download the full interview via um, a podcast. So please do that because um, the full interview is a lot longer than the 29 minutes. So, and I'm sure you'll be very, very interested in what Nazarene has had to say. So thank you very, very much again for coming on the show. So that's it. We're going to have to say goodbye. Until next week, this is CJ the DJ signing off with a big hooray. This podcast is produced in collaboration with CFRC.ca in Kingston, Ontario. CFRC is located on traditional Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee territory. Infrastructure support for the CFRC podcast project is provided by Queen's University's Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences. For more information or to get involved in podcasting, visit podcasts.cfrc.ca.